1: But here is a simple reality, whether we see God's plan for our life or not, whether we understand God's plan for our life or not, whether we know God's plan for our life or not, if we are committed to Christ, he is working for our good, and he's working for his
2: glory. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. Here is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365.
1: Don't you love the autumn in D.C.? The leaves are changing. The uh, air is crisp and clean. And Dr. Yvette Ross Hebron, was driving to work early that morning. And recently, Dr. Hebron had the conviction that God was leading her to be more active in service for him. She wondered what she might do to touch other lives for Christ. Questions loomed large in her mind. She was a committed Christian, but how could she be more actively involved in the ministry of Christ? What larger plans did he have for her life? And she prayed that morning, God, in whatever way you want to, use me in your service. As she drove past the headquarters of the 7th Avenue Church in Silver Spring, Maryland, she noticed that the car in front of her sped up. And as its tires screeched, it came speeding into the parking lot of the headquarters. A man jumped out of the car, began running around the car, and he was screaming. The baby is coming. The baby is coming. You know, when babies are coming, they don't wait. His wife was in labor. The couple had been on their way to the hospital, but they weren't able to make it there. And so Dr. Hibbert and her husband immediately pulled into the same parking lot, and she sprang into action. An experienced physician, she calmly engaged the wife's husband's assistance. And within moments, in her careful instruction a beautiful little baby was born in the parking lot of the General Conference, a Seventh-day Adventist in the front seat of the car. Now, the paramedics were soon there. They rushed to the scene, and uh, they brought the mother and baby to hospital. And after office hours, Dr. Hebron visited them, and uh, mother and baby were doing quite well, and they've continued to do well. Commenting on that experience, Dr. Hebron said this, If I were five minutes earlier that morning, I would have missed it. If I would have been five minutes later that morning, I would have missed it. But in the divine drama of destiny, God had a plan. You know, sometimes God's plans are difficult to understand. Sometimes God's plans are hard to grasp. Sometimes it's easy to question God and honestly say, God, if you are in my life and if you're leading me, why is this happening? Where's your plan in all this? But here is a simple reality. Whether we see God's plan for our life or not, whether we understand God's plan for our life or not, whether we know God's plan for our life or not, if we are committed to Christ, he is working for our good and he's working for his glory. We are destined for glory. I'd like you to take your Bible and turn it to the scripture reading of this morning, Hebrews, the eighth chapter. And I want to study with you the reality of the fact that God has a plan for your life. Whether you see that plan, whether you understand that plan, whether you know that plan, God has a plan for your life. Even when things go awry in your life, God still has a plan. And I want to study the reality of the fact that this plan is a very specific plan for you and for your life. Whatever has happened in the past, whatever choices you have made, do not negate the fact that God has a present plan for you today. Romans, the eighth chapter. And we begin there with Romans chapter 8 starting with verse 28. Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 28th verse and onward. And we know that all things work together for good. Now, all things do not work together for good for everybody. The text does not say all things work together for good for everybody. Neither does the text say all things are good, because there are many things that happen to us in life that are not good at all. Many things that happen to us in life are the result of living in an evil world. So the text does not say all things are good, neither does it say all things work together for good for everybody. What does the text say? Verse 28, we know, we're certain, we're confident, we're sure that all things work together for good for whom? For those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. Now, I've often heard that verse quoted with the failure to quote the 29th verse, which puts things in perspective. Why is it that all things work together for good to those that love God? Verse 29, for whom he foreknew. So God had foreknowledge of every event that would ever happen in your life. And therefore, he, with his all-seeing wisdom, can weave a divine tapestry out of your life, even when things go bad. For whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So God, in his far-seeing foreknowledge, has a pre-designed plan. And that predesigned plan is that you be conformed, shaped in the image of Jesus. And he will use every experience in your life, either good or bad... ...either evil or righteous, he'll use every experience to weave that divine tapestry in your life... ...to conform you to the image of his Son, for whom he foreknew. So he knew ahead of time those events that would occur. He also predestined, he had a predesigned plan to be conformed to the image of his Son... ...that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, Jesus is the firstborn in a family of brothers... And he has a pre-designed plan that you become part of that divine family. We are sons and daughters of God. And he is working to accomplish his ultimate goal in your life. And that ultimate goal is of salvation. Moreover, verse 30, whom he also predestined these. That's the he had the pre-designed plan. He called. He's called you. He's called you to be justified. He's called you to be glorified. Now, there are many people that totally and grossly misunderstand this Bible passage. They have some strange idea that God's love is a selective love, that he predestines some to salvation and others to eternal loss. This, of course, is contrary to the love of God, and it's contrary to the entire tenor of Scripture. Now, did you notice what our passage says? It says, "...for whom he foreknew." Now, in the Old Testament, God's knowing simply means this, that God has a plan, God has a purpose, God has a design, God has a task for every individual. Keep your fingers here in Romans 8, or a marker, and let's go to Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. I want to show you the meaning, the scriptural meaning of this word, knowing. The scriptural meaning of the word knowing. Notice the text, Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Speaking about Jeremiah, the scripture says, Before I formed you, that's Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So, did God know? Jeremiah's name before he was born. Sure. And did God have a plan for Jeremiah? He did. And what was that plan? That Jeremiah be a prophet for the nations. So in God's foreknowledge, he knows that you would come on to the scene of history at this moment in earth's history. And in the divine wisdom of God, he had a plan for your life. And although that plan may have some bumps in the road, Although that plan may have some dark valleys, although Satan may try to destroy that plan by bringing evil into your life, God's pre designed plan for your life, although there may be detours, there may be valleys, there may be mountains to climb, if we trust Him and are obedient to His call in our life, He will accomplish His ultimate goal for us. This is a good illustration of the word no. It simply means that God has a plan for your life. From the beginning of time, He has pre-designed two things. First, that you would be saved. And secondly, that you'd be an agent of salvation. First, that you would be his child. Secondly, that you would share his love with others. In Ephesians chapter one, and let's go over to the book of Ephesians, chapter one. Now this is wonderful. Life is not some cosmic accident. You're not merely here by chance. God brought you now in this generation, in this scene of earth's history onto the scene. And God has a pre-designed plan for your life. And whatever has happened in the past, God himself is going to give you a rebooting of the computer of your life. He's going to give you redirection in your life. He's going to enable you to glorify him in your life. Ephesians 1, verse 5. Notice what the scripture says. The Bible uses this word predestined three times. It uses it in Romans 8 twice, and it uses it here in Ephesians 1. Notice Ephesians 1. Having predestined us to what? To adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will.
2: Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. You can grow in your knowledge of God's word by enrolling in online courses by Pastor Mark Finley. Go to HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. That's HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. When you go there, you will find wonderful courses such as Bible Prophecy, Discipleship, Leadership, or Improving Your Health. These courses are especially designed to help you discover deeper insights into the Bible. Go to hopelives 365 com. That's hopelives 365 com. Or call right now to register, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. 888-244-HOPE. Here now, once again, Pastor you Mark Finley. You have been
1: pre-designed to know God. He will do everything He can in His power. To save you. He sends the Holy Spirit to your heart to bring conviction. He sends angels to beat back the evil angels. Jesus has a pre-designed plan for you to be saved. But his plan goes another step. Look please at Ephesians 1 verse 8, 9 and 10. Not only has he planned for us to be saved. But he has another plan. For Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, "...for by grace you've been saved through faith, it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast." Now, verse 10, "...we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." So God prepared ahead of time not only a pre-designed plan to save us, but he planned that out of our lives would flow good works and righteousness to touch others. It is God's plan to liberate us from the bondage of sin and to send us out as liberators to liberate others. It's God's plan to redeem us and send us out as ambassadors of redemption. It's God's plan for us to lighten the darkness and send us out. He wants to lighten our darkness and send us out as lights in a darkened world. Now, it's an awesome thought. And I want you to grasp the significance of that thought. It's an awesome thought. That from time eternity, God, in his all-seeing wisdom, knew that you would be born at this time of earth's history. You say, I can't understand that. Don't worry about it. Nobody else can either. But in his far-seeing wisdom, in his all-knowing knowledge, you were on his mind. And he had a pre-designed plan on the drawing board of heaven to save you. And he had a pre-designed plan that the genes and chromosomes that came together to make the unique biological structure your personality, that he put together within you all of the gifts and all the abilities to give glory to his name in the sphere of your influence. There is a remarkable statement in the book Christ Object Lessons, page 327. And it says this, Each, what's that, each? That's every one of us individually, has his place in the eternal plan of heaven. Each is to work in cooperation with Christ for the salvation of souls. Not more surely is there a place prepared for us in the heavenly mansions than there is a special place designated on earth where we're to work for God. So God brought you together. Put the elements together of your life had a pre-designed plan to save you. He's brought you to this place at this time to witness to his glory as part of his, his divine plan. Now, again, we may not understand all of his ways. We may not discern all of his working. But he is active to accomplish his divine plan in our lives, whether we fully understand that or not. Now, let's spend some time... Considering one Bible character who may not have fully understood God's plan for his life, let's spend some time looking at the nation of Israel and God's plan for Israel and in one experience in the Israel in the Exodus. And I want to look at some lessons out of the Exodus movement that illustrate God's plan for Israel and how that relates to us. Now, let's consider Moses, for example. Often it was difficult for him to understand God's plan. He was cursed at birth. The reigning Pharaoh condemned to death all newborn Hebrew babies. Some of you may look back at your life and say, I was cursed at birth. My parents went through a divorce. I was cursed at birth. I was brought up in a poverty-stricken home. I was cursed at birth. My health is frail. Moses was cursed at birth. A dark cloud hung over his head. Pharaoh passed a decree that all Hebrew children be killed. What hope did Moses have against the might of Egypt? But God had a plan. He was miraculously delivered from the Nile. And can you believe this? Pharaoh's daughter paid for Moses' mother to raise him until he was 12 years old. Isn't that part of God's plan? Then, miracle of all miracles, Moses is afforded the highest, most sophisticated education of the time in the University of Egypt, and it was all paid for by Egypt's royal family. God had a plan for Israel. God had a plan for Moses. And all of Egypt's military might, all of the lavish resources and extraordinary wealth of Egypt could not hinder God's plan. God led Moses to lead Israel. Sure, Moses had some lessons to learn as he wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, sure. But God led him back to Pharaoh. And God said through Moses to Israel, let my people go. And God set Israel free. He had a plan to lead them to the promised land, free from totalitarian rule, free from their oppressors, free from cruel bondage and brutal captivity. Now, I'm sure that when God set them free from the rule of Pharaoh, that they did not expect what would happen very shortly thereafter. I'm sure that when God set them free, they didn't fully understand God's leading. It certainly didn't make sense when God led them through a hot, barren wasteland with the Red Sea before them. Logically, they must have been thinking, now imagine you're an Israelite, more than a million Israelites, you're wandering through the desert, it's hot, it's, it, the sweat's pouring down your face, the Red Sea is before you, the desert is barren, and you're saying, God, you made a mistake. God, what are you doing? Logically, they may have wondered what God was doing there. Their hearts must have been gripped with fear. In fact, the Bible says they were. Some of them must have grumbled and questioned God. Lord, the sea's just before us, why have you led us this way? Have you ever wandered through the desert, barren land of life? Have you ever felt that the Egyptians are pursuing you and there was little hope? And have you ever said to yourself, God, why are you doing this? Was were Israel just as much God's people when they were being led through the desert as when they arrived in the Promised Land? Were they? Was God just as much leading them in that desert experience as when he led them into the promised land? Was he? So we may not see God's working. We may not discern God's working. But that does not mean that he is not working. As the Israelites approached the Red Sea, their anxiety must have increased. This was an obstacle that was too difficult to overcome. Anytime our eyes focus on the difficulties, we fail to see the greatness of God. Can you imagine Israel's questions? Can you imagine their doubts? They thought, we're following God, but he's abandoned us. At the moment of their deepest questions, at the moment of their greatest fears, God had a plan. Israel was destined for the promised land. And although God's plans may be hindered, although God's plans may be delayed... Although God's plans may be fraught with challenges, God's plans will be accomplished. Now, here are four simple lessons from the Exodus of understanding God's plan for your life. Don't miss this. Four lessons from the Exodus that are life transformational. Lesson number one when things seem out of control, God is still in control because God knows what He's doing. Exodus 13, verse 18. Exodus 13, verse 18. Lesson number one. When things seem out of control, God is still in control. Exodus, the 13th chapter. Four lessons from the Exodus on the plan of life. Exodus 13. We're looking there at verse 18. Now, Israel leads Egypt. They're in the desert. It's barren. The desert is hot. The Egyptian armies are pursuing them. The Red Sea is before them. And they wonder, God, where are you? Exodus 13, verse 18. So God, what's the next word, everybody? What is it? So God, what? Led the people around by the wilderness of the Red Sea. Who led them into the wilderness? Who did that? Did he really do that? did he really do that? Does the text say he did it? Did they know he was leading them? Did they understand he was leading them? The Bible says they grumbled. So when things seem out of control, even if things don't seem to make much sense, even if things don't add up, even if you're confused with what is happening, God still has a plan. Even if you seem to be wandering in the wilderness, not understanding the future, God has a plan. You, my brother, you, my sister, are destined for glory. You're destined for glory. Christ has redeemed you. You are his child. Christ is going to use every experience of life to reveal his glory through you. Your testimony of his faithfulness will powerfully touch other lives. He's working in ways that are for your good and his glory. God knows what he's doing. The enemy may attack you. He may try to destroy you. But he will not prevail. For Israel, the journey was long. For Israel, the road was rough. For Israel, the desert was barren. The Egyptians were pursuing. But the Red Sea deliverance was certain. God sees deliverance when we see only the desert. God sees the waters parting when we see only the raging sea. God sees the Egyptians drowning when we see only the Egyptians pursuing. God sees us standing on the other shore when we see only the desert before us. The events of our lives may not be what we have chosen, but hallelujah. God is still in control. God is still sovereign. God is still weaving into our lives the divine tapestry of his overarching plan. Now here's the second principle, the second great lesson to learn from Israel. Lesson number one is what? God is in control even if we don't see it, even if we don't understand it. Here's the second lesson. This is wonderful. This this is wonderful. God will give us tokens of his care when the way seems dark.
2: Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. At a time when people have accepted the evolutionary hypothesis, seeing is believing. ...reveals the remarkable design in nature, demonstrating a mastermind behind all of creation. Where there is a design, there must be a designer. And where there is an intelligent design, there must be an intelligent designer. Your faith will be strengthened as you read Mark Finley's Seeing is Believing. Call today for your copy. Your donation of any size helps to keep us on the air and support the Hope Lives 365 ministry. Seeing is Believing... Call eight eight eight-244 Hope. That's eight eight eight-244-4673 or visit Hope Lives 365. com. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.